Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. So good to see you guys. You know what's so awesome? One of the things I'm super thankful for is that you guys showed up. Because on a Thanksgiving weekend, you never know, right? Is there going to be two people, 10 people, 50 people? Who knows? But for all you staycationers that stayed behind to be here, thank you for being here. And for those of you guys who have been maybe visiting from out of town, man, we're so glad that you also joined our party so that we can spend this weekend together, at least this portion of it. Now, during the holiday season, holidays, it not only brings shopping and gifts and toys and all that good stuff, but it brings epic Movies. That's one of the best times where epic movies tend to come out. And so uh, right now, there's some epic movies that already came out and are coming out. For example, recently, uh, Black Panther, the Wakanda Forever, right? That came out. I can't wait to see that. Um, there's another movie that came out uh, recently. It's uh, The Chosen Season 3, right? Anyone see that before? Yeah, 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 okay. I cannot wait to see that movie. Okay, and there's another movie that just came out, Black Adam. I can't wait, kind of, to see that movie. And there's another movie coming out soon, and it's called Avatar. It's like a remake. It's the next chapter of Avatar. I cannot wait to see that, but I have not seen that yet either. I need to get out a little bit more, I think. But if you ever break down movies, here's a common structure. So we're going to kind of go through movie science right now. Here's a common structure where record-breaking movies use that just tends to work. So here, here's how it goes. You start out with a nobody who becomes a somebody. And then there's some kind of conflict, some failure, some disappointment. And then that somebody has a choice to make. Do I just quit and give up? Or do I still move forward, get back up, and fulfill the mission or the calling that I've been given? There's always a guide that kind of encourages that somebody to continue press forward. And then redemption saves the day, the hero, and we all leave the theater feeling good. Now that formula is a storyline for many epic movies. So I'm going to give you a quick quiz. It's an easy quiz. Hopefully all of us will get 100%, all right? So name the following heroes in the following movies. So... Who's the hero of Star Wars? Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker, this ordinary guy just minding his own business in Tatooine. And all of a sudden, he gets, finds out that he's a Jedi and gets trained by Yoda and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then he becomes the greatest Jedi in the universe and saves the world, right? So that's uh, Luke Skywalker. Okay, how about this one? Let's change genres. Who's the hero of Titanic? Jack Dawson. That's right. It's been, a, it's been a minute, right? Jack Dawson. So we got this little street rat who's just hustling his way. He sneaks on board on this luxurious liner called the Titanic. Ends up falling in love with like the richest woman on the ship, Rose, and then saves her life. Now, the thing that I'm still disturbed by is I think there was more room on that floating door that Jack could have got on and his life would have been saved too, but... That wouldn't have been as fun of a movie, as epic as it was, but there you go. Okay, what about Lord of the Rings? Frodo, that little hobbit, minding his own hobbit business in little hobbit town, just doing hobbit things, and all of a sudden he meets this ring, and then he ends up saving everything, and, and, and meets Smeagol, and all that good stuff, and saves 
the universe. This ordinary guy doing extraordinary things. And then finally, what about my favorite movie? Guess what my favorite movie is? Spider-Man by default. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> now that guy is an ordinary guy <laughs> that's living out a movie. And this was a past trunk or treat. And what's so cool is the guy that I'm taking a picture with, his character, his costume was identity theft. And he had my name, hello, I'm Peter Park, sticker right there on his head. So I thought that was a very clever, clever costume. But that movie is nonfiction. That movie's for real. I'm still living it out. And I'm still that ordinary guy in an extraordinary place called Chase Oaks. Now imagine a total different type of movie. A safe, predictable character with no conflict, smooth sailing, always peaceful, no drama. And then do it over and over again for two hours. Yeah, baby, that's why there's a reason that this type of movie is not very epic. You'll never see that storyline in a great movie. The reality is, each and every single one of us is living out a movie right now that God created us to live. See, he, the movie that he wants us to use us as is to be his heroes. He calls us to be heroic. He gives us a choice, though. He doesn't force it on us. We have a choice. We have free will. A daily choice to go for the heroic storyline or the safe storyline. The safe storyline is all about me, my life, my world, my comfort. The heroic storyline, though, it's about being transformed so that I can make a difference in the world and impact lives. So today we're kicking off a brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. Not your typical uh, uh, sermon on a Thanksgiving weekend, right? Dangerous Prayers, where we're going to look at how God doesn't invite us to a life of safety, but God invites us to a life of significance. A life of significance is going to take some boldness. And we're going to see this through an underdog in the Bible who finds the boldness to step up. Not only because of what he knows, but actually because of who he knows. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4, where the context is soon after Jesus' arrest, crucifixion, resurrection, hung off for 40 days, and then ascension into heaven. And then to replace him, the Holy Spirit comes down and is introduced to Jesus' followers. And the first Christian church is birthed. Now, people were hearing about Jesus and becoming Christ followers left and right in droves. The church started out at 120 people. But then, as soon as the Holy Spirit came in the Pentecost, it ballooned to 3,000 Jesus followers literally overnight. By the way, that makes the very first church in our history a mega church. So don't be talking smack about mega church. Churches can come in all different sizes and shapes. And then, here in Acts 4, enters this guy named Apostle Peter. He started out as a lowly fisherman, uneducated, a super underdog, a nobody. But then Jesus invites him to be one of his 12 disciples for about three, three and a half years during his ministry. Peter ends up walking on water. Of course, we all bash him. Ah, oh, well, he lacked faith and sank. But let me tell you this. 
I have not heard of anyone else that ever walked on water besides Peter and Jesus before. So at least he took a couple of steps. He was the disciple. When Jesus was being arrested, he pulled out a dagger and cut off the ear of the servant. He's that guy. And Jesus rebuked him and said, hey, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, so put that away. And he was the one disciple that secretly followed Jesus as he was being arrested and crucified. However, he also denied Jesus three different times to save his own life. And now we're here at Acts 4. Peter is a main preacher to the crowds. See, Peter was transformed by Jesus from this place of denying Jesus to save his own life all the way to this place where now boldly preaching the good news of Jesus at the risk of his own life. Peter was sharing to the crowd how Jesus resurrected from the dead and it's only by Jesus and Jesus alone that you can be saved and have eternal life. And because of his preaching, many more believed and chose to follow Jesus that day. And the number jumped from 3,000 to 5,000. I mean, that is crazy of how many people are coming to know Jesus in a short amount of time. So he's going around preaching Jesus with a companion, another disciple. His name is John. And they end up healing a man in public who was crippled his whole entire life of 40 plus years. So you can imagine, as the crowd are watching Peter and John just do this amazing miracle, preaching about Jesus, people coming to know Jesus left and right, they were super rock stars, miracle workers in that town. The religious leaders, however, did not like what they're seeing, did not like what they're hearing, because they were losing a market share of these people to Christianity. And so they had Peter and John arrested, they had that kind of authority. And imprisoned overnight to wait trial the next morning. So the following day, Peter and John ends up testifying in front of the religious leaders about Jesus and his resurrection. While also quoting all these different Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And this is how the religious leaders reacted. In Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who have been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. There was proof in the pudding. The religious leaders were utterly shocked at their boldness. But why? Why? Because they were ordinary Men. Now the word ordinary, that translation, is such a nice, polite way to say what the original Greek language actually said. The Greek original language didn't use the word ordinary, it used the word idios. That's how we get the word idiot. Ignorant. Peter and John also had no special training. That was a nice way of saying unschooled, illiterate, uneducated and yet these guys are quoting scripture and Old Testament prophecies and being eloquent and being bold. That's why they were so amazed. And also on top of that, the religious leaders were witnesses of this healed, crippled man that they knew his whole entire life for 40 plus years. What can they say? They, they cannot deny what they, what, what's in, right in front of them. But even after all that, 
Instead of believing and following Jesus, these religious leaders were more concerned about their fame and their money that they could not see the truth. So after threatening Peter and John to stop sharing about Jesus or else, here's Peter's and John's response. Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. <laughs> Talk about bold in, in, into their face. I mean, in, at, at, right in front of their face. I mean, that's pretty bold. Now, while this, all this was going on, the crowd of people around them and outside who are brand new Jesus followers, they were worshiping and praising God for all the things that they've witnessed, this miracle, this healed man that they've knew, known his whole life, all the way to hearing the good news of Jesus. So the religious leaders realized, huh, if they go any further, we might incite a riot. So they had no choice but to let Peter and John go, but with a warning. Peter and John then went immediately back to the other believers and reported back what happened. And everyone started praying. Acts 4.29 And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So notice here how Peter, John, and all the believers, they acknowledged the threats. They called it out. Yet they did not pray for safety, but rather they prayed for boldness to our God who gives it. So what can we learn from Peter and John in this significant chapter of church history? The first reality that we can learn is that God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. See, it's more than what we know. Peter and John, I mean, they were ignorant. They were idiots. <laughs> it's who we know that makes us do extraordinary things. Now, back in fourth grade, um, 1981, I just, our family and I, we just moved from Michigan to Southern California, Orange County. And it was the first day of school at elementary school, and then we had our first recess. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know a single soul. And now, I was, just to set it up, I was a 4'11", no, not 4'11", not I was about 4 feet 2 inches tall. Tiny little kid. I was the only Asian in my whole class. And so I don't know anyone. I have no friends. So I go outside to the playground and all of a sudden a whole bunch of tall boys, tall for me because they were like five feet or more, um, made me look up. Tall boys just surrounded me. And I was like, oh, they want to be my friends. They're going to introduce themselves. But the first thing that came out of their mouth, hey, do you know karate? And so I'm thinking to myself, well, I went to Korean school a little bit and took some Taekwondo over there and I did a little karate here and there. But I never stayed in one place. We moved seven times up to that, that point in my life. So I never stayed in one place in one studio to actually uh, get promoted to different belts. So I stayed like constantly white belt. But they didn't ask what belt I was. They asked, do you know karate? Yes or no? And so technically I said, uh, yeah. 
And then immediately like, oh, dude, what? Hey, you guys, Todd, but Billy, come here. This guy knows karate. And I was all confused, like, whoa. Whoa, what's up, man? Hey, my name is Todd. Hey, this is Billy. This is Bobby. Hey, what's up, gang? Oh, you're so cool. Whatever. They just befriended me on the spot. Now, interestingly, they never asked me what belt I was. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And the good thing is, back in the 80s and 70s, there's this famous dude called Bruce Lee. You may have heard of him. And Bruce Lee, if you saw Fist of Fury, Revenge of the Dragon, you know, Enter the Dragon. I mean, it's a classic Kung Fu theater movies, right? So Bruce Lee, I mean, he's, 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 he's like striated, but he's petite compared to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 7 feet 2. Uh, compared to Bolo, this huge 300-pound guy. And he's beating up guys that are like 20 deep. And so I realized they associated me to Bruce Lee. Even though physically I was nothing to be desired. <laughs> this petite little skinny kid at 80 pounds at best wet. And they associated me to Bruce Lee. Even though I'm like that small, I could probably destroy them <laughs> like Bruce Lee. So that's an interesting example of it's more than what we know. Because I was a second degree white belt. It's who we know or at least who we're associated with that we can do extraordinary things. Now, let's bring it up to today. What about our reality? When we know God of the universe, God who died on the cross and rose again, God who is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he's on our side, he's the one who can use ordinary me, ordinary you, to do extraordinary things. He chooses you and me. To be used as his hands and feet, as his heroes. Not because he desperately needs us. No, he's fully sufficient. But because he wants to make heroes out of us. The second reality that we can learn is that making a difference requires boldness. Peter was not always bold. At times he was a little brash and, and bold in different ways, but he wasn't always bold, which was proven how he tried to save his own skin by denying Jesus not once, not twice, but three times after Jesus even called it out and prophesied it, and Peter saying adamantly denying, that will never happen. I will die before I ever deny you. This is why he and John had to pray to God to give them boldness. So they could preach about Jesus in spite of threats. See, we can choose to sit back, hoard all of our time, resources and energies for ourselves, the safe life. Or, and minimal impact. Or, we can choose to live boldly, to make a difference through our giving of our times, through our giving of our resources, through the giving of our efforts. And now we can easily gravitate, thinking that the only ways to make a bold difference is when it's dramatic. Like if you grew up in the church like I did, some of these bold differences and bold living, we may typically think of, for example, a missionary going to some third world country that's never been reached or never heard the gospel where you have to eat bugs just to survive. Or maybe you have to be like Mother Teresa and live amongst the poorest of the poor for the rest of your life. Or maybe you have to forego the wealthy life and be, go into full-time ministry like me. Whatever it is. 
But making a bold difference, yes, those, those are bold too. But making a bold difference, it also includes the decisions that we make each and every day. Because who we are in the everyday sets us up for a bolder tomorrow. It takes boldness to choose not to fudge numbers even though you're getting pressure from your boss to do so. It takes boldness to not join in on the inappropriate joke amongst your peers. It takes boldness to stand up for a student who's getting bullied. It takes also boldness to invite your neighbor to join you to a Chase Oak service. Now, speaking of invitations, we have a couple of great opportunities where you can exercise that boldness and invite your neighbor to a Chase Oaks event. The first one, Christmas services that you heard earlier. whole bunch of choices to invite them to. And the second one is maybe hosting a pancake party at your house on New Year's Day. Now, shameless plug, check out our app or check out our website for more information. We need God to give us boldness. I love this quote that sums this up. It's from Pastor Philip Brooks, the author of the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And it says, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Feel free to take a picture of this quote. Let me read it one more time. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Wow. The third reality that we can learn is fear competes with boldness. Now, the reality is, Peter and John, they did not have to pray for boldness if there wasn't any fear. Of course they don't want to die. Of course they'd rather sleep in their warm, comfy bed than in a stinky, cold prison cell. Of course they'd rather live a life free of drama than constantly being chased and pursued by religious leaders. They knew fear. And that is why they prayed for boldness. Now for me, I may not fearing for my life right now, but these past couple of years as a pastor have been brutal. With all the divisiveness in our culture and all the hard decisions that we had to make as a church, we got flack from all sides no matter what decision we made. This pastor, oh, this pastor, this past summer, I was able to go on my very first sabbatical in the 26 years that I've been a pastor. I know, way overdue, and that's my fault. During my sabbatical, I realized I had some serious COVID pastor PTSD. And I probably need to go to see a counselor for the very first time in my life to process some of that. Now, if any of you guys have heard my wife speak on this stage, Cindy Park... You know how much she talks about counseling. I don't remember a message that she didn't talk about counseling at least once. She believes in counseling and she's even studying to become one now. Counseling has been a game changer in the park 
family. However, for me, though I've seen life-changing results because of counseling, I had never been to a counselor before. And if I'm honest, it's not because I've never needed to see one, but it's because I feared really confronting my issues. I feared what I would discover about myself. I feared the hard work that it might require. So I finally found enough boldness to make my first appointment. And since then, I've had several sessions so far. And a surprising thing came out of counseling. Instead of focusing on how others have affected me over these last couple of years, I discovered how broken I am as a father. These past couple of years have been rough in my relationship with my daughters, teenage daughters. And I know it's super rare for a dad to have a tough time with teenage daughters, right? Super rare. What I discovered was I was always quick to try to fix, teach, resolve any issue that came up every chance that I got. It worked when they were younger. But as teenagers, they roll their eyes now more than listen. Yes, I've become that dad. Now I would give my life in a heartbeat for my daughters and I love them to death, but I did not know how to communicate or connect with them. I also realized that I lacked trust in God to be their ultimate protector. And the more I tried to control their lives, I tried to protect their lives, the more they actually pulled away. I am still a work in progress, but I'm learning and growing a ton as a result. I'm learning to listen more and talk less. And let me tell you, my tongue is pretty sore from all that biting. Boldness for me looks like confronting my fears when it comes to raising teenage daughters. Instead of praying for God to magically make me a better dad, I need to pray to God to give me the boldness to choose the necessary steps to become a better dad. What does boldness look like for you? Maybe it's choosing to put in the hard work to reconcile with that family member. Maybe it's admitting that you have an issue and choosing to ask for help. Now, here at Chase Oaks, we are a great resource and can connect you with an amazing group of counselors that we partner with. And they even offer the first assessment session for free. Just contact us and we'll set you up. Maybe it's choosing to make a major decision to put up boundaries in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's choosing to be generous with your time and resources and start volunteering, whether it's here at Chase Oaks or one of our many amazing partners or any other organization. Maybe it's choosing to turn your life around and start following Jesus. All of these come with fears, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of what others will think. Fear of all the what-ifs. 
These fears can prevent us from becoming who God created us to be. And that is why we need to pray for boldness. Boldness comes from God. So what are your fears today? Where is God wanting you to pray for boldness instead of safety? One of the reasons why God gives us the Bible, his active and living word, is so we can know the reality and truth of who God is and how he actively engages in each and every one of our lives. And so I'm about to share a small sample of eternal realities from the Bible of how God wants to take away our fears and instead make us bold. Isaiah 41 reads, Do not be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and hold you up with my victorious right hand. Romans 8 says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Deuteronomy 31, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and He will neither fail you or abandon you. John 16, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. This is Jesus talking. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And finally, Romans 8. And I am convinced that nothing could ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for tomorrow, today, or nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. God doesn't want us to just go through life barely, safely surviving. But rather, He wants you and me to go through life thriving by boldly living out a life of significance. A life that makes a difference. A life that brings the good news of Jesus to our world. A life that plays a key role in God's epic movie, the heroic, bold life. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, there is no such thing as a mistake that was born into this world. Every single one of us, you said in your word, you knew us before we were even conceived. Before our parents even knew us. And you molded us and made us in our mother's womb. There's no mistakes. There's no oops babies. You created us for a purpose. To be your heroes. Not because you need us. Because you want us. You want us to join in. In impacting and changing the world. And reconciling the world back to yourself. But God, many times, there's fear that is in our way. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the what-ifs. Fear of all the consequences, potentials. 
So God, that is why we need you to give us boldness. We don't have enough of it. We will never have enough of it. But when we have you, we will never be in need. So God, will you give us boldness, not just for the big things, but even the small daily decisions to do what we know is good, to do do what we know is right, to do what we know is obedient. And then you'll give us a little bit more to be bold with. But God, it's a dangerous prayer to pray for boldness. Because you will put us in difficult situations where we have to choose the safe life or the bold life. So God, will you give us that boldness so we can choose the life that thrives and the life that makes your love and your grace and your saving blood known to the world. So thank you, Jesus, for being bold on our behalf and providing us the boldness that we need to live your epic movie out with this bold, heroic life. Pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.